Multicolored lights and sounds A world of adventure and heroes galore It's truly outrageous when we yell Thundercats ho Autobots roll out and yell Yo-Jo Both feet and legs and do the Mario Get into a Care Bear stare and go-go gadget ears Excuse me princess, it's time for Totally Radical, Totally Radical, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast! Hey guys, welcome to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. This is a show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and all of the just craziness therein. My name is Randy, I am your host as always on this journey. And I am by myself this week, so we're going to do a little bit of a different episode here. Uh, but before we get into today's episode, uh, i got to let you know that Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com for all the latest and greatest geeky media. Uh, of course, check us out on social media. Facebook, Geek World Order, and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast all have their own pages. You can also go to Twitter and Instagram, both at Geek World Order. Uh, so today, like I said, uh, we're going to take a look at a, do something a little bit different here. Uh, since I am by myself this week, um, as I did in a previous episode, I went over my top five for some of my favorite 80s cartoon series. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a different take this week. I'm going to do another top five, but it's going to be my f- top five favorite animated features. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting list, and why don't we just go get right into it. Uh, coming in at number five, we're going to go to Disney on this one in The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, this is actually kind of a very underrated film when it comes to Disney. Um, it's definitely got the Disney vibe to it. It's got a lot of great music, great songs, great animation, And it really goes into the Disney mantra of kind of taking old tales and taking a unique spin on them. And what this one does, The Great Mouse Detective, is basically it's a mouse version of Sherlock Holmes and very Sherlockian Holmes mystery type setting. Uh, The main character is a mouse called Basil and he's the Holmes character. and there's Radigan, voiced by Vincent Price, who is the antagonist, the Moriarty to Basil's Sherlock Holmes. And this is just a fun movie overall. Um, this movie came out in 1986. The It was followed by Oliver and Company. And then after that was the release of The Little Mermaid, which started the Disney Renaissance, where they really where Disney really hit their stride and just started putting out banger after banger after banger. I mean, that was the era to grow up in, man. Movies like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Mulan. Just that really just powerful string of just top-notch movies just kind of drove us through the 90s and 2000s and really made Disney just an empire by itself. Um, and But this was still considered pre-Disney Renaissance, but you could definitely tell there was a lot of the things that would definitely push Disney forward 
in kind of where they were thinking and how they would make their movies and produce them and put them out. This movie had a lot of that feel to it even before then. And really, this is a very fun, underrated movie that you should definitely check out if you get a chance to. I highly recommend it. Like I said, I mean, you can't go wrong with Vincent Price in any role. Um, so yeah, that's uh, The Great Mouse Detective. And we'll, go, we'll be talking more Disney in a little bit here. Uh, but let's move on to number four on this list. And this might be an, a bit of a cheat, but it's going to be Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But this movie is absolutely amazing. It's a clever, clever blend of just animation, live action, a absolutely insane story, and you're introducing these great characters that are memorable even to this day. Just the fact that you have this character, Roger Rabbit, uh, you have this great mystery story with the tunes being you know killed and it's such a fun movie you know of course you have bob haskins a great just a funny actor in general um christopher lloyd oh my goodness what can we say about christopher lloyd as the bad guy in this movie man he just christopher lloyd like chews the scenery insanely like, he's over the top. He's just maniacal. Like, he doesn't care almost in this movie. But he just delivers such a great bad guy performance. And just some of the scenes, like, where he just dunks the tune into that vat of acid and just laughing maniacally the whole time. Dude, he's really, like, a great foil. And just so many great scenes in this movie, of course. Uh, like I said, you have the character of Jessica Rabbit. Just, you know, and her, you know, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way mentality. Dude, it's just so fun the way the characters interact. The mix of the live action and the animation the live action there's so many good things about this movie and i know there's been other movies that have tried to kind of emulate that effect um you've had cool world i know was another one that did it in kind of an edgy fashion but who framed roger rabbit is just really a classic that really stands the test of time there's some great jokes um i remember there's some there's kind of some Disney Warner Brothers jokes in there. And overall, this is really a fun movie. And I definitely recommend it. This is absolutely amazing. So let's move on to the next film. And we are going back to the world of Disney. Um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago when talking about The Great Mouse Detective uh, this was right before the um, the Disney Renaissance era began. And the film that did that came out in 1989, which was The Little Mermaid. 
which is, of course, an, an adaptation of, I believe, a Hans Christian Andersen tale. Uh, of course, Disney has to put their kind of spin on it. Got to have the the good comeback moments. Got to have the the fun ending. Because the Hans Christian Andersen tale, it gets a little dark. Like, in the original fairy tale, the mermaid does not get the man. Like, she does not win on her quest and basically ends up dying. It's kind of a depressing tale. But, man, Disney and their adaptations... This is the one that really, from start to finish, the first, the animation is just absolutely gorgeous through the whole time. And that's, there's so many different hallmarks of that Disney Renaissance era where you have this just fantastic music, you have this gorgeous jaw-dropping animation, music that is absolutely unforgettable um i mean without having gone back and watched some of these movies in a while um even through childhood a number of the songs from little mermaid um beauty and the beast aladdin they really stick with you and i think this is where disney really refined their formula that drove them into just this popularity throughout throughout the 90s and into the 2000s that really just made them the empire they are today. Because uh, let's face it, when you think of The Little Mermaid, you're going to think of Under the Sea, that, that one of those first songs in the movies where you just go, okay, that's a memorable opening song. Of course, you have Kiss the Girl, that romantic ballad which must have been the most awkward thing ever for eric because now in the movie ariel understands the sea creatures and she's probably hearing them sing throughout the movie but eric is probably just hearing all these weird animal sounds and fish sounds and he's like he's probably thinking i have no clue what's going on here which is kind of one of those weird things to think of but dude, and then Poor Unfortunate Souls has to be one of the best Disney villain songs of all time. And honestly, can we talk about Ursula herself? This is probably one of the best of the just Disney villains in general. She's grandiose, over the top you know, really an absolute character and really kind of one of those just Disney villains that this is where we get so memorable. And really, all of these different things are why I believe this film is really considered the start of the Disney Renaissance era where they just put out so many great hits, you know, Really, Ursula stole the show in this one where the bad guy is just such a great character and just has this pizzazz about them. She just has a 
real personality and it's just over the top it's boisterous you know i love the parts where she's talking you know it's like well if i don't have my voice how are you gonna how am i gonna get the body language and it's just so amazing to have this great villain but overall it's just top quality animation a movie where you go okay where you're just engaged from start to finish the songs are perfect and it's really where disney it's one of those things where disney just gets it right the songs are written in a way that they work in both english and the native language of the story being told uh, with this case being a hans christian anderson tale it's going to be german so all of these songs work in i believe in german as well when they're translated and that's where disney just gets it they have everything in the detail they really pay attention to the story what's being done the setting of the story where is the story being set you know and that's really where disney is just so strong and confident <coughs> and really this is why this movie is so good and i'm really i know this is probably one of the first disney movies i remember watching as a kid like i was only a few years old when this movie came out and i probably saw it in the early 90s when it came out on vhs and even through kind of some of those weird periods where i got to be a teenager and i'm like it's like oh it's not cool to be to watch disney films and i kind of fell out of disney films in the early 2000s and it took a while to get back into them so probably why i got out of disney movies for a while because i went to a private school as a as a kid i went to the same school from kindergarten through 12th grade and a lot of times when movies when movie days would come or you know a number of the class was gone especially in high school sometimes uh sports teams would be gone for traveling purposes and there wouldn't be a lot of us left in school so things be like eh what y'all want to do movie and somehow almost everyone became a disney movie day and i don't know i just got tired of the disney movies and even as an adult a lot of the ones that came out in that time frame especially the early the late 90s early 2000s i've gone back and watched a lot of them like uh hercules um emperor's new groove lilo and stitch a lot of those that came out in that time frame i just refused to watch because i just been hammered with like so many disney movies and veggie tales that's a story for another day but um I, i'm not going to get into the veggie tales and how much i hate them we're just gonna stick to the facts here we're gonna keep calm gonna keep calm all right we're good we're good but yeah no like so many disney movies in my 
in especially in like middle school and high school years, I was just like, dude, I'm done. I don't want to watch Disney movies anymore. So many of them. Like somehow, like every time movie day is like, can we watch something that's not Disney? I <sighs> Nope, apparently not. But no, it, it and it took some time to get over that. It really did for me. But eventually I did, and I started watching Disney movies again. And I mean, I watch a lot of them first run now, number them in theaters. And, you know, kind of going back to that mentality of, you know what? You know, Disney movies, while a lot of their marketing may be aimed at children, but there is a lot going on in Disney movies to go, you know what? This is actually pretty good. There are stuff for all ages. They write a lot of material. You know, and a lot of what's going on in the movie, kind of the evil intent of Ursula and the whole, you know, the romance part of it. And there's a lot that adults can get into, especially with Disney villains. You know, obviously they're meant to be the bad guys, but if you have a well-written character a memorable character it's something that you know the adults can hook onto and really sink their teeth into and with the little mermaid ursula is just absolutely fantastic in her role as a disney villain I, she's really one of the first memorable disney villains you know you've got ursula gaston jafar so many great villains over the years and this is the era, the beginning of that era where a lot of them come from. And really, we get this whole new side of, you know, Disney that we can appreciate. And which it's sort of the, the thing when the heroes kind of overcome the odds and they win. It's because they beat a villain that's memorable and had, you know, actual trials and tribulations to come over and that's absolutely fantastic and i love it uh so that's why the little mermaid is one of my favorite disney movies of all time and there's a lot of others that are great um but a lot of them came out in the 90s and the 2000s so unfortunately they're not gonna be a part of this list um if they had you know things like beauty and the beast would definitely be up there um, cause that's actually my all time favorite Disney movie is Beauty and the Beast, but that came out in the nineties. So that's not something we're going to talk about a lot about on this podcast, but dude, Disney y'all have nailed it and it was great. All right. So moving on to number two on my list. Now for a lot of you that know me, know I am obsessed with Transformers from the from the minute I saw my first episode or got my first Transformers toy, I don't know which came first. Y'all know I am obsessed with the Transformers. I have two Transformers-related tattoos. Uh, my first one was actually the Autobot insignia. Uh, it's actually on my right bicep. It was my first tattoo I got in, uh, I want to say 2006. See, so yeah, we're coming up on... Yeah, 14 years of that. And then actually a couple of years ago on Free Comic Book Day, 
uh, I think we're at about two to three years ago. No, I actually got uh, jazz on my right forearm. And that is one of my favorite tattoos of all time. I love this artwork on it. Absolutely amazing. So I know you're going to be weird, but no, I've got so many Transformers figures. It's my main collection. It's the main thing I collect. So you might be surprised to know that as obsessed as I am with Transformers, Transformers the movie is number two on this list. Oh, and we'll get into number one. Don't worry. But what can I say? You knew this movie was going to be up there. But dude, Transformers the movie is one of my all-time favorite. Just, it's so epic. And I know people have a lot of gripes with the movie. You know, the story with Hot Rod and introducing all these new characters and focusing on them. So many characters dying within the first few minutes of the movie. I get it. I get why you don't love this movie. I get why you hate it. But I love it. It's just an epic grand movie. This movie is beautifully drawn. There was a lot of effort put into this movie to make it look good, make it look polished. And honestly, every time they come out with a new version of this movie, um, a new DVD release, a Blu-ray release, it's just been cleaned up and just looks so beautiful. Like, I know the most recent one that Shout Factory did, their Blu-ray release, was absolutely gorgeous because they actually found a a film copy of the movie and basically an original master that they were able to go to and restore from a direct master and it's probably the most beautiful I've ever seen that movie and dude for me this movie is great um, the soundtrack is phenomenal it's just this beautiful 80s hair metal music that just works with it you know obviously Stan Bush's The Touch has just been the iconic song from this movie you have the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron just this grand space battle that takes so just kind of goes across a big piece of space you have really high stakes involved in this movie because you've got the Decepticons seemingly taking a pretty good chunk and almost winning the Battle of Autobot City until Optimus Prime shows up and just wrecks house. And let's face it, that's got to be one of the best scenes in that movie, especially the part where he's like running down all those Decepticons and he just transforms and he like boosts up into the air and he's just like shooting them one by one dude and I get where and then we kind of go into the part where Hot Rod is the chosen one and I get it people don't like Hot Rod I'm not particularly a fan of him but you know um, it's got that coming of age part of it the new leader um, for the movie itself I think that part did it very well and of course you kind of go into season three and then yeah hot rod Rodimus prime not such a great character i get it 
but to this movie it rocks you know it's set in the future we've got this insane version of what people think 2005 is going to look like some of the transformers and their car modes you know hot rod himself with that crazy futuristic looking sports car mood that big old yellow spoiler and then he becomes Rodimus Prime and he basically turns into a Winnebago with a sports car front end. Dude, I love these movies. Um, of course, the cast in All-Star, like the few, you know, number one A-listers they were able to get, of course, Leonard Nimoy is Galvatron. And I love that they reference that later in one of the live action movies. I'm blanking on it. I know it's the third one where he comes in as a Sentinel Prime and then he's voiced by Leonard Nimoy and kind of does this swerve where he's becomes the, a bad guy of the movie, which is so cool. Love love that they got Leonard Nimoy to come back to the Transformers franchise. Uh, rest in peace, Leonard. Uh, but so many great little callbacks and, of course... Um, you get all these fun characters like the Junkions and Retgar and of course the amazing song by Weird Al Dare to be Stupid and that's so cool um, and so many things get referenced from that like I know later on in Transformers Animated in like 2009, 2010-ish they do an episode featuring Retgar and that version of Retgar gets voiced by Weird Al. So cool. Just all these little nods as you go through the future continuities. And of course, Transformers the movie just upped the stakes by introducing Unicron. Just the this devourer of world is just a a planet that you know eats other planets and then you learn it's a giant transformer itself. And then you've got basically the Autobots and Decepticons working together to try to save the galaxy. Oh. And just the complexity of the animation inside Unicron, all the different parts of it. And then just really... this It really creates a great action movie. And it's fun, dude. That's kind of the main thing I got for Transformers the movie. Is it, It's a fun movie. But there's so many things to like about it. Um, of course, uh, Judd Nelson as Hot Rod, another of their main voice actors that they got. Seems a lot of these animated movies kind of get maybe two or three star names. Uh, so for Transformers, the movie, they got Leonard Nimoy. They got teenage um, heartthrob at the time, Judd Nelson from, oh, what was that movie? I believe he was in The Breakfast Club. I could be wrong. Uh, correct me if I am, but he was a notable name at that time. And also the other big name they got was Orson Welles. I, yeah, I know that's definitely seems a bit odd, but you know, Orson Welles voiced the planet Devourer Unicron. And if I remember correctly, this was actually Orson Welles' last role before he passed away. Um, I know there's been rumors that he may not have completed his lines and someone else had their voice kind of did voice tricks and synthesizers to make it sound right. 
Uh, but I know, but I believe that rumor has actually been debunked by the producers of the movie, who verify that uh, Orson Welles did record all of his lines. All of it was his dialogue. Um, I know they were having some issues at the time with kind of getting the lines to sound right because it was at the end and he was having problems breathing and a lot of his lines were very heavy. I know they were having some issues with that, but they did get all of the lines recorded before he passed away. Um, another voice actor um, talking about jazz, his voice actor, Scatman Crothers, also passed away shortly after this film. I know he was, and he was also very high up there. I know, and I've kind of seen some of his work. I saw The Shining. Uh, I know sometime when I was in college, it was cool to see him in that movie. Oh, man, definitely that's one. Um, Scatman Crothers. I would have loved to meet him at a convention. You know, if he'd maybe if he'd been a little younger and could still be in the convention scene today and you know was still around. But no, his just portrayal of jazz is one of my all-time favorites. Um, I know he just, it's, prop, um, he's definitely high up there on my favorite, just char cartoon characters of all time. It's definitely my favorite Transformer. Just such a cool robot, man. Just had that charisma, had that charm about him. Man. And unfortunately, he did pass away like right around the same time Orson Welles did. Um, I know that, I believe there were some rumors that Jazz was actually going to be featured in a few episodes of season three. Unfortunately, that came to not be a thing, unfortunately, with uh, Carruthers passing. Oh, man, but what else can I say about Transformers the movie, man? It's fun. There's epic battles, um, just fun <coughs> dialogue and... Uh, dude, it's just a great movie all around. And of course, that leaves us with a great question. If Transformers a movie isn't my favorite 1980s animated movie, what is? And that is, you know, the, the question here. What is my number one animated feature from the 1980s? And it took me some time to come to this realization. And it's kind of one of those where on, depending on, you know, the day, that my number one and two could flop. But probably about the last year or so, I've had it consistently in my number one spot. But for me, it's going to be G.I. Joe the movie. And yes, I can already hear you tuning out. I can hear you turning your podcast machine off. I can hear you switching to another app on your phone, but hear me out. And I've got reasons for it. Um, honestly, this movie is the movie I go to all the time. If I need background noise, I'll throw G.I. Joe the movie on. If I need something that I've watched a million times and just need something to play while I'm working, I'm going to throw this movie on. This movie is just... I know, it's insane. This movie is insane, start to finish. But it's such a a weird movie. You just have this insane movie where G.I. Joe, you put them in this crazy situation uh, with Cobra Law, you know, the, this weird civilization that 
with a placeholder name that exec move that you know studio executives just love and they're like no keep it keep it but this movie is just there's so many things going on just all the issues the delays uh this movie was actually supposed to come out first before transformers the movie and before the care bears movie i believe which uh production delays actually end up putting this last and the financial flop of the first of the others put this right direct to video release and even then this movie had some crazy casting um of course sergeant slaughter was already involved with the franchise then you have burgess meredith playing Golobulus, the evil leader of cobra law then you've got Don Johnson, you know, 80s megastar coming in and voicing this hotshot character, Lieutenant Falcon, who is the, you know, the hotshot. He's got to learn how to, you know, be a good soldier and follow the rules and all that. And of course, you have the controversy, the controversy of Duke's uh, quote unquote coma. You know, he didn't go into a coma, or that's how they overdubbed the line, but you can tell the animation, you know, the line was changed, the animation doesn't quite match up when they speak there. Oh no, Duke died. But there was so much backlash from the fans and kids being traumatized by the death of Optimus Prime that they were like, maybe we're going to change that it's like no like that whole scene would have played out so differently had they just let it go and not in the frozen way but just let it go play the scene out as it was intended and just show you know there are consequences to war which is something they couldn't really do in the cartoon you know the regular series but in a movie they were they could do more because the movie had a PG rating. And so they could let Duke die. And that definitely would have been interesting to if they'd actually gone ahead and done it. But no, there's just so many. I don't know why I am just attached to this movie. Oh, dude. Just for some reason. I know. When I first got on DVD, and like this was one of the first DVDs I ever bought too, when I first got a DVD player, and I just watched it, just reliving my childhood and just having fun watching it, all the crazy scenes. It's just, like I said, I don't know what drew me to this movie, but for some reason, I would watch it. And for me, it's my happy movie. If I need to play a movie, you know, if I'm not feeling it, having a bad day, and if I need to watch a movie to make me happy, this is the movie that's going in my DVD, in my uh, media player, DVD, Blu-ray, Xbox, you know, whatever I've got on hand. This is the movie that's going to go in there. This is the movie I'm going to watch. And there's so many fun things about this movie, like the opening animation that three minute mini movie that just starts with cobra and a 
bunch of cobras just you know parachuting and gliding out of the you know their attack ship and just basically trying to take over the statue of liberty gi joe's popping out everywhere just the battle around the statue of liberty it's so amazingly drawn and then the music that extended version of the gi joe theme with just that pump you up kind of music behind it which fun fact that was the only movie or piece of music that ended up being produced for the movie um every piece of music that's in the actual film itself is stock music from gi joe transformers and more than likely if anytime i like if i'm watching the movie with you i can tell you where the music is from like i can listen to the scenes and and i can tell you if it's from gi joe if it's from transformers i can probably tell you what season it's from um i know transformers season three is probably some of the easiest music to identify because it's more got a little more futuristic sound to it a little more 80s synthy kind of sound to it um this is the best way i can describe it and there are i don't to me this is a fun quotable movie i try to sneak quotes from this movie into my daily life as much as possible uh for some reason i like to say the words hey law and order's a team man he finds the bombs i drive the car we tried it the other way but it didn't work oh man you just like so many there's crazy characters what can i say i mean this movie has gotten me through a lot i know um there was a period of time where before the current job i've held now for seven years I was unemployed for a year and a half before going into that job. And it was a not fun experience. It was very depressing. Um, I will admit there were times where I played this movie like several, like I would watch it several days in a row. Because like I said, it was my, this was my happy movie. This was the for some reason, this was the one where if I was in a bad mood, you know, everyone's got that movie. You've got that movie you've watched literally hundreds of times. You can quote it from start to finish. And I've done it fairly successfully. Oh, that might be something. Maybe I could do... Oh, that'd be interesting to see if I actually could do it from start to finish. At least see how much of this 90-minute movie I can do. That'd be a long that'd be a long YouTube video. It'd be interesting to see if I could actually do it. But no, there were times where I just watched this movie sometimes several days in a row. Because like I said, I put this movie on when I need it. I've literally seen this movie hundreds of times. I've lost count as to how many times I have seen this movie over the years. I have 
several versions of it. I have the original Rhino DVD release. Like I said, that was my one of my first DVDs I ever owned. I have the Shout Factory DVD Blu-ray combo. Honestly, this may be one of my favorite movies of all time. Not just animated movies. Like If I were just to rank my top movies of all time, this is going to get a high spot on that list. I don't know if it's my favorite movie of all time, but just I have a, an emotional connection to this movie. And I think that's why... Like I said, it took me a while to come up to this realization that at least for this purposes of this list of my animated movies of the 80s, this is number one. Like I said, I've had times where G.I. Joe and Transformers kind of intermixed, kind of swapped those spots. But And a lot of times I'll watch the two movies back to back. But more often than not, if I'm just going to watch one of them, I'm going to watch G.I. Joe the movie. And I know there's so many crazy things. Of course, you've got the cobra. You know, all that crazy stuff. Just, oh man. But I love this movie. I'm not going to lie. I love this movie. I'm pretty sure I post the the intro to G.I. Joe the movie on my Facebook every so often. But it's just, like, that intro is just a great piece of animation. Oh, man. But yeah, no, that's my number one movie. G.I. Joe the movie, just for so many things, kind of... It it was the movie that helped me get through a lot. It's the movie I play when I need noise to kind of drown out the world, to think about things and make, you know, kind of refocus. And So for me, that's my number one, guys. And... Thank you for listening and thank you for taking this journey through me, uh, with me through these animated features. Um, you know, I had to do a solo episode this week, so I thought I'd do another top five list for you. Uh, but definitely check us out, of course, on all of the podcast providers iTunes, Google, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Basically, if there is a place where you can find the RSS feed, and subscribe to a podcast, we're there. Of course, check us out on all of our social media. We provide so much great content. And, of course, thank you all for being supporters of Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast Geek World Order. 2020 is the year of the 10th anniversary of Geek World Order. Um, we'll have some other things coming up. And as we get closer to celebrating that tenth, the official 10th anniversary in July. But... Uh, for right now, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
mission force. Its purpose? To defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Yeah, yeah. 